Hello, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Access All Areas podcast. We're here tonight filming another one of our Club 92 episodes, which we're focused on trying to get around all the clubs, clearly not physically, but virtually with our, our, should say our guests. Tonight, we've got uh, a pleasant welcome to welcome Rob Fletcher, who's a Middlesbrough fan. Rob, how the devil are you, mate? I'm all right, thanks. More than happy to be talking about football kits and Middlesbrough, obviously. Look at that. It's, that's, that's what we're talking about straight away. So Rob is sat on and clearly it's, it's an audio only. It's not, it's, not, it's not all this visual stuff we've got. We're not doing that, thankfully, because I look a state. Uh, Rob scrubbed up nicely in his, his nice middle of away shirt. Uh, he, he's sat in what looks like his, his, his little back cave. He's got all his shirts and his rails by the looks of it. And he's, got a, he's sat in a nice Middlesbrough red room, as is what I would describe it as. Uh, as, as with all of our guests, mate, from the start of it, we, we, we try and go straight back to the first point that you started supporting your club. And I think that's the biggest call straight away. How did you get into supporting Middlesbrough? Um, well, I'm from Middlesbrough. I live in Liverpool at the minute, but I'm from Middlesbrough. So I think being from a town like Middlesbrough, you don't really support anybody else. Obviously, at the time, so we're talking sort of, what, 91, 92, 93, you start seeing football on TV, didn't really see any of like Italian 90, but then started to see a bit of football on like used to be on ITV on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Used to get a few like big match on or whatever it was called. And then I actually remember Man United being the first team that I'd ever really seen. Man United and Tottenham. So my okay. uncle was a massive football fan, but he loved Gaza. So I had a lot of Tottenham videos, I had some United videos, obviously they won the league, the, the early Premier League days. But I remember the the one thing I remember was my first Borough game was um, the 92-93 Premier League season. Yeah. My dad's mate had gone on holiday, yeah. so he had his season ticket left. And he was like, do you want to take your son? So I was like, yep, brilliant. So he went to Ayrson Park, watched us beat Arsenal 1-0. Um, mm-hmm. We were on the way to getting relegated at that point. And my, my major memory from it is thinking, why is there no commentary while I'm watching this game? <laughs> so I was like a seven-year-old, I'm thinking... Well, I haven't got a clue half these players are. I don't know who number 11 is. I don't know who number nine is. I knew like a few Arsenal players if you saw them like in shoot or match or whatever. Yeah, but that yeah. was the massive memory was like, where's the commentary with this stuff? So that was a bit weird. So, then, so the, the question I thought was straight away, right, is did you not do the commentary in your head? Because I know when I went to the games, right, and I, I still to this day, or when I watch it on TV, I tend to mute it and I'm there commentary, do the commentary job on it. And I'm, I'm the most excellent commentator in the world, by the way. But... But when I was a kid, I did exactly the same. Right? I sat there and I thought, it's it's quiet. Other than the fans yeah. singing around, yeah, it's yeah. quiet. What's going on? And it, it wasn't until the clicks. And I was there doing it myself in my head, thinking, why is nobody else doing it? So you, you're not alone on that one, mate. So did, did you not start doing it yourself, though? Did you not go, oh, that's, that's well, so funny. Because you really didn't know his name. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because when you look back, I've got all the programmes and everything, even from back then. And obviously, on the back of the... Um, on the program, we'd have like one to fifteen or something, but yeah. the team could be totally different to what was actually on the back of the program. So you'd be looking at like number seven or like John Hendry or Paul Williams yeah. or whoever it was, and you'd look up and you think, look at the point that is definitely not him. He does not look at anything like <laughs> what it says on the back. So half the time, didn't have a clue. But on a few of them, I, I, you can see that I've like scrubbed out someone's name and managed to like look up and write who it was. But that was that's like the first memory that I had, I suppose, of Middlesbrough. And then the World Cup was uh, USA 94. Yeah, that was like, won. oh, okay, this is football. I started drawing all the kits. Dad was oh. like, right, come and watch this and we'll watch this game. And I remember watching the final and thinking, 
that is the most boring game of football I've ever seen in my life. Because it was like two hours, it was extra time, no goals anywhere, penalties, which obviously Baggio and Brazy missing yeah. was terrible. So that was kind of the summer where I started to watch it. And that summer as well is when um, Brian Robson arrived in Middlesbrough. Wow, so so you, you you're doing yeah. you're doing a lot. You've done a spiel from '91 to '94 in, in about two two minutes there, yeah. Bob, which is a which which is a cracking summary of where you are and how you got there. I'm going to rewind back a little bit, right? And what yeah. I heard, you, you said you spent a lot of time spending Tottenham and Gaza. Was there ever a point that you thought like, Spurs are the team for me, or is it literally because of passage of rights you're going to be Middlesbrough do or die? Yeah, I think so. Well, so the, the seasons that I had was 1988 to 1991. So the, remember those season review videos? You yeah, 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 yeah. You get from the club shop in like the summer or whatever, just as the season finished. Well, my uncle had got those. So he gave me the three of them. But in the 88-89, it was Waddle and Gaza, right? In the Hummel, you know, like... The, yeah, 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 I know which one you want about right straight away. And then 89-90, the signed Lineker. Yeah. So they had the again Hummel. Then the next one was the Umbro, like the yeah. Umbro 1991. Right, yes, true, so, yeah. so basically, I, I was watching Waddle, Gaza, and like Gary Lineker as like, and you're just thinking these are brilliant players, but it still felt really alien because it wasn't Middlesbrough, it was Tottenham, it was another team, it wasn't yeah. a team that like was going to be nearby. You definitely wouldn't be able to go and watch them because I think. There was a start at one point that Borough had like 75 or 80% of season ticket holders lived within 15 minutes of the ground. That's amazing that, that kind of club where who's going to support Middlesbrough if you're not from Middlesbrough? Do you know what I mean? Maybe in the <laughs> yeah, 90s, stars, but you know, so it was always that was going to be the team. And then I think when Robson arrived at that time, it was always like, well, that's a big name. So Middlesbrough must be a decent club if yeah. we've got someone like that. So, again, going back, to all your family in Middlesbrough as well then? Because I, I, there's, there's so many similarities between what you're saying between your team and my team, which is getting, I think, I've been those Coventry City. And I look at all that. Passage of rights to me was my dad was a Coventry City fan. My dad's dad's a Coventry City fan. Uh, who else is going to support Coventry City? Because they're probably, there's, I, I hate saying this, they're probably the, the worst team in the Midlands at that point in time because they yeah. weren't up there. They weren't full of stars for the players. We weren't the we weren't the rich kids on the block, um, and it sounds bad because you still had Birmingham, Walsall, and all those below us. But in the Premier yeah. League, you had Villa that were up there above everybody else, doing whatever they needed to do, and everybody saw and oh well, Villa are the biggest team in the Midlands, and sadly they probably still are. Let's face facts. So yeah, I'm, I'm assuming same for you. It's it's very similar in terms of the conversations we probably have and look at it that way. Yeah, definitely. I think. My dad would tell me about, you know, Graham Sooners and players like that who were at Borough in the seventies. He was always much more of a player than a fan. So he loved playing football, like played Sunday League football yeah. all the way through. Didn't always he went to some games, but he wasn't that fussed. When he was younger, he loved Man City, but mm. only because of the team. Not he didn't okay. support Man City and he wasn't kind of a massive fan. But I think there was probably only a few games on every year on TV. And I think they at the time it was like Franny Lee and um, I think Mick Summerby is another one. And it was that kind of probably quite exciting attack in football, a bit different to sort of the sort of dirge, I think, that a lot of the early 70s or late 60s football was. And he was sort of into And the Leeds were around at that time. And I think that it was as he got sort of mid-70s, late 70s, that he started to, to follow Borough a bit more. But it was always going to be Borough. But I'm, I'm very much of the you support where you're born. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you. Yeah, exactly the same for me, right? So, I, I look at, uh, I'm still going to call it the Rico, guys, and I think I've said this in every episode because we, we, we divulge into the teams that we speak about because it's common ground. 
and I'd still call it the Rico, and that's 20 minutes from my house, you know, yeah. and that's that's as that's as far as I've got a non-league club around the corner for me, literally is 30 seconds, which is the Neaton Borough, the Neaton Town, I think it is now. Yeah. I might be back to Borough. And that's literally two minutes that direction. I could I could get to it within spitting distance. So it, I, I've made sure that I'm in a clear distance of my, my local team, should we say. Um but yeah it's it's a good it's a good reason to support your team, isn't it? If you've got one on your doorstep, why would you not support them um and, and go and go and see them? It, it's yeah. the obvious choice, right? I I think there's that's frustrates me. It frustrates me when you see. I suppose it's going to be the same for you. Probably not so much around Liverpool because I'm guessing you've got a lot of Liverpool fans around Liverpool. But when when I walk around my city and don't see fans in city tops, especially with how they've done the last yeah. three four years and where we've come from, I'm guessing that that doesn't happen in Liverpool. One, two, and if there's a lot of locals in Middlesbrough, they've only got Middlesbrough to support because their family ties like that. I'm guessing it probably doesn't happen a lot in Middlesbrough where you'd see loads of the shirts floating around when you go back home. I don't. I don't know, mate. No, I think it is. It's almost certainly the same, and I think that it's more. You probably see like your Barcelona's, your Real Madrid, Juventus. Yeah. It's more like the like the superstars from another country, yeah. but you don't see a lot of United. You don't see a lot of Chelsea. Okay. You don't see a lot of Arsenal. It's still Middlesbrough. You know what I mean? The kids yeah. will have a Borussia. It's, not, it's and nice. an, Yeah, and an Mbappe, and they'll have a Neymar, and they'll have a Ronaldo, or when he's at Real, or Juve, or whatever. <laughs> but they've still got. They'll still get the Borough home away keeper shirts and whatever else just like everybody did when they were younger but to be fair i mean i remember at that time i used to get um you know you used to get those fake shirts when you used to go on holiday abroad <laughs> yes. like my, my uncle was like 15 years older than me so he was like when i was like seven or eight he was going abroad with his mates like in his early 20s he'd yeah. come back with like a fake viali italia 90 like a papan france shirt one i had a papan ac milan shirt so. yeah <laughs> So all of that was like, we were still doing that. I was still a Borough fan, but yeah. I had all these amazing yeah. international stars. But we don't see a lot of... Liverpool, actually, you don't really see anything but Liverpool or Everton. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it either. nothing right? else. Nothing. I wouldn't expect, you, you cut those people, they do bleed blue and red. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it's not the same around here. So with Coventry, I think the resurgence of Cobb doing well, you've seen more uptake in the kids seeing yeah. wearing those shirts. But yeah, from, from my aspect, it's different. Like around here, you'll still see the United shirts, the Chelsea shirts, Man City shirts creeping through. And I, I don't mind it so much, but you'll see Villa shirts and that's absolutely fine because yeah. it's it's Midlands, right? So you can have those people that have moved out of their, their town, their city and moved into areas where they've got jobs and they'll, they'll have that and I've got friends at Villa fans so it's expected um, yeah it, it, it's interesting to see where that will disappear to and if it dissipates but I'm guessing with Cov it will plateau at some point again as it yeah. does we're going to be successful this season we're doing okay right now yeah um, doing well yeah we'll, we'll talk about that a bit later about yeah, your season yeah. as well but um, yeah it might plateau a little bit I, I think you've talked a little bit about your earliest memories of supporting the club and, and starting there can you remember the first game that you went to mate? So the first one, the first one as a casual fan was that one at Ayrson yeah. Park. That was the Arsenal one. I think the first game that I went to that I really, really remember thinking, yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah, this, this is, is my team. This is my first game. This is the one that um, I'm going to remember. It was in 95. So the Riverside had just opened. Okay. We were yeah. basically one of the first new stadiums to open. I think Huddersfield was the year before, but I think they were in like the second division or something. Yeah. Or maybe first division. But we were in the Premier League and we just opened the new stadium. We got promoted. We'd signed Barnby, which is this shirt was like on his debut and all that. So it was Blackburn Rovers, but Blackburn had just won the league. I was about to say that's so they were a yeah. massive team. 
at the time, you're thinking, wow, this is the league champions. Again, I think it was one of those where you know, your dad's mate's on holiday or he's working abroad, so there's a couple of spare tickets going. So we weren't a season ticket holder in that season. So that was the first one, and we beat them 2-1. You might remember it was the famous game where Jan Fjord often Tim Flowers basically kiss. Oh, they, have a bit of a, they have a bit of a tussle on the ground, something like that. And they kind of go towards yeah, each other. But yeah, yeah. It's, it was great. And we beat them 2-1. And at that point in time, I think the first three months of the season, four months of the season, we were basically top four all the way. We had an unbelievable defence. And then we'd got Janino as well. That was like in the October, November time. So I think even by Christmas, we were like fifth. So that start of the season was just incredible. I'd been, I went to that was my first, first one. We beat Liverpool as well in the green and white squares. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Adidas. Um, I went to that one as well. So it was kind of, and you could get tickets for cup games because even people complain about cup games saying, oh, we've only got 10,000 fans. Back then it was like 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. So we were easy to get a ticket. So it was, went to a few of those, but that Blackburn game, I just remember thinking, this is, when you win, this is this is pretty good. This is This is going to be pretty memorable. And the fact that they were the league champions as well is just, just quality. So I'm, I'm just trying to cast my mind back, obviously, to who Blackburn probably... Shearer was probably in that team, was he? Yeah, and... Shearer, the, Shearer, Sutton, Ripley, Wilcox, David Batty, Colin Hendry, Flowers, Lasore, all that. What, that was basically the full Champions League champions. What, yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, Champions yeah, it literally would have been. It's going to be straight on. When did Ripley leave you guys for... for for Blackburn, because he went from you to Blackburn. Yeah, right? he did, yeah. 92, think, was it a couple of years beforehand? Yeah, 91, 92, I think. And I know a lot of Borough... I, see, I, he's totally bypassed. Yeah, yeah I, I understand bypassed, it. There's a few lads who write for the Borough Mag that I'm involved with who are just just absolutely adore Stuart Ripley. And he's just their ultimate brilliant player. Just the speed, the ability to get down the line, his crossing, he used to score goals. But I think... It was probably yeah, probably ninety one, ninety two ish when they started buying players Blackburn. But even then, I mean, I think we probably sold him for like one point four or one point five million. But that was that was big, big money because when they bought Shearer, he was three point two million or something, and that was like the that was the the UK transfer record. Yeah. So even a million was was yeah, enormous. Was big money, big money, yeah, big money, yeah. You're right. And so do do you remember? On that first game that you went to versus Blackburn, do you remember the build-up to that, the anticipation of how you felt with the... I'm guessing you went with your dad um, yeah, yeah. And, and the rest of your family who were there. Do you remember the anticipation that build-up to that? Do you remember going through the turnstiles, the noise hitting you, the the sound, the smells, all, all that sort of stuff with the senses? Do you remember all that, that sort of stuff? Because I, I know when, when I speak about this with other people, people go... They can take it back and go around it, and they start getting. They always say, "Oh, doing this and having this conversation gets the hairs on the back in it, standing back up." So, do you remember that, Rob? Yeah, I think those Saturdays back then, when you were younger, you know, you had Transworld Sport in the morning, you had Gazetta Football yeah. Italia, Football Focus used to start at like ten past twelve. You'd start because obviously you didn't have Sky Sports News no, twenty four yeah, hours, you didn't have um, BBC Sport updates on your phone for lineups. So you watch a bit of football focus to hear about injuries or new signings that were coming through. And then you'd be like, right, when football focus is finished, that's when you need to get dressed, yeah. get your shirt on, get whatever you're wearing. We're going to leave about half one, get to the ground at like quarter to two, walk in. And then the Riverside's like, it's basically in an industrial wasteland, basically. They've tried to regenerate it pretty much, like they did with most of these, like yeah. stadium, like anywhere you go. Probably the same as Coventry's, isn't it? They kind of just plonk it somewhere where yeah. there's nothing there, build a few offices around it, 
now we've got a, a venue to go. So it was like that. But I remember it feeling massive when yeah. you get there, absolutely huge. And then you walk through the slimmest possible gap to get in with your ticket through the turnstile and get your t- ticket ripped. And then it it doesn't really open out. It's still quite tight, but then it's going up the stairs. So when you go up the stairs, and you, I, I get this at every football match. I've not been to a, a live match for a while, with, but obviously with COVID and yeah. not living in Middlesbrough. Um, always the walk up the steps. There's always the surprise when you see the pitch and you just look around and you just think, wow, like this is a football ground. I think even more so when it's a night game because you get yeah. out, you get obviously the floodlights bounce everything around. And it obviously makes everything. It sounds because floodlights do that clearly. But you go to a daytime game and you'll, you'll still get that. I just think nighttime games are a completely different kettle of fish and bring a different height and sense to it because of the lights that obviously beam down on it, it makes everything spark back in your eyes and you see stuff. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You go through that turnstile, that that sort of. I should say cauldron of noise hits you if you're in the home end clearly the way end if it's tighter even more so when you go to away games but yeah from a, I, I'm just coming from a commentary point of view and I went back to my first game I think it was 92 I think 93 when we talked about it um at Highfield Road completely different kettle of fish because it was a tighter stadium, old stadium uh noise there it was brilliant but it probably wasn't on the same level as the Rico if it's full because there's more people yeah. there if it gets full. That being yeah. said, it's never full. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah I, I'm, I'm sure you probably get that, that same sort of sense of anticipation, even as an adult now, when you go through and as you say, you start walking those steps wherever you are to see the full spectrum of the of the stadium. And I know I still get it. I look around and look for people I know and it is that sort of happy place where people are smiling and bouncing around. And you even see the old guys there that you, you probably know that are, they're still bouncing around now at 80 odd yeah. years old because yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been doing it for years. And it, it is amazing to see what football does to people, really, isn't it? I, I think one of the things you've said way too a, a little bit ago is about when you get changed into shirts. So, and I know you've got a vast collection of Borough shirts. What was the first shirt you and Ronnie made in? So the, I remember, I remember vividly the first one that I had. Um, so it was the back end of the promotion season, so ninety four, ninety five. So it was like probably March, April time. And it's quite funny actually being on Twitter talking about football shirts when the sales come round at the end of the yeah. season. Everyone thinks it's a new thing. It's not a new thing. Nope. It's been there forever. I remember that in that summer um, or spring, or whatever, and it was like ten pound for a shirt or five pound for 100%, a shirt. Hundred percent. My mum was like, "Do you want to borrow a shirt?" I was like, "Well, I haven't got one." Yeah. She's like, "Well, they're only a fiver or they're only a tenner or whatever." So basically, she was like, "Right, you can have that one." So it was the old. It's a similar colour to the one we've got now, which is like the the sort of green, like emerald jade yeah. green one, like the striped one, um, with like little gold trim. And it was Area who were like an Italian maker. We never had this brand before, so they gave these totally different kits it's actually got the same print as the one that i'm wearing it's got like a transporter bridge which is quite a memorable landmark it's got the club badge imprinted on it and i always remember that and i've still got it oh, yeah. i've still got it as well yeah it's, it's clicked and bobbled and because the material was sh- absolutely shocking the <laughs> one that i've got now the adult version which obviously is still 27 years yeah. old but yeah. it's miles better than mine mine's absolutely ruined but it's, i still love it it's funny because you talk about the sales and it, it, I think you're the only person that stripped it back to basics and gone, you know what, back in the day you used to get a shirt for tenner. And I've not thought about it until you said it in this episode. And you're 100% right. I remember going to the club shop again at the stadium because you didn't have them 
in yeah. the cities like you have now and having like, you know, the mega stores. Cobham not a mega store, clearly, but you know, the, the big teams have mega stores, but you had to go to Highfield Road for Coventry City to get the Coventry City's uh, kit. And at the end of the season, you, you're 100% right. I used to go in and I remember getting one. I, I already had one, but I thought, well, I will, if I wreck this, I might as well have another one. And it yeah. cost me a tenner to get the pony one or whatever it was. The, yeah. the sky blue, massive collar, massive yeah. bash. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. got that for a tenner. I was like, yeah, I'll have that. And you're damn right, I've still got that today. And I'm hoping at some point I can stick that on my lad and go, you know what, you wear yeah. that, I'll wear mine. I've got as an adult. Yeah. And it'll be a nice picture going, that used to be mine. But my first kit was a red and white bird shit one. I've got the bird shit and uh, Coventry City yeah. one. You probably know, you, everybody knows it's, it's synonymous with the, the blue and white one with Coventry City for that 90, I think it was 90, yeah, 92, 93 season because it was obviously the open, the, the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. And we had the red and white one to go out. And my first kit was the red and white one, not the blue and white one. So I was going on about it. I'm banging on about it, on and about it, on about it to my old man. I think I got it for Christmas. Um, and I've still got that one. And as you say, it, it, it is battered. It's got, yeah. I'm not even sure it's got the sponsor. It might not have the sponsor anymore, but uh, I actually stuck it on. I stuck it on a couple of weeks ago because somebody said, what's the oldest shirt you've got? Let's have a look at it on Twitter. And I banged yeah. it on. I could get into it. And it was very, very snug, clearly, because it was only a seven, to eight, seven or eight-year-old shirt. And... I think most people know me on Twitter as being quite a small bloke because I can get an yeah. extra large use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got it on. Could I get out of it? I struggled. <laughs> I struggled a lot. I thought I was going to do myself some injuries. <laughs> yeah. I thankfully didn't. I thankfully didn't cut it out because yeah, the lad also says, oh, I want to wear that at some point. So he's he's getting into it right now, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I understand what completely what you're saying about shirts. And I think we, we've got to move into, into the section of talk about shirts for a little bit, right? So yeah. Borough have had some, I don't know, they've had some they've had some shirts over the years, I suppose. I think you look back at it from, and, and I had a quick look earlier, to be honest, because I thought, I, I know a lot of the, the stuff that you're wearing now, I know yeah, a lot yeah. of the modern stuff, but in the 80s, they had Adidas kits and probably the, 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 the red template stuff that a lot of yeah. the teams had. They had the, the humeral kits with the chevrons on them, and it's it's probably gone full circle, a bit like Cov as well from that period. Uh, I think you had your own branded shirts as well for a bit which yeah, is what the, yeah. The skill, stuff. yeah yeah skill leisure yeah, yeah i looked at that and thought i looked at that and thought what are they all about yeah um 90s you went into admiral for a couple of years you went into the stuff you're wearing now which was uh, a, a rarer did you call them i've always I think been it's, a, i think i've always called it area or area. a rare or whatever it is yeah. i can't pronounce it i think yeah. everybody knows what you're on about right yeah um then i think from the adidas which was the 2010 to more or less present and they were the for me, when I yeah. looked back at the Lisbon kits, the basic templates that were awful. Um, I'm sure you'll probably Absolutely agree. Terrible. Yeah. And you currently back with Hummel or Hummel, yeah. people call it yeah. from 2019, which is when they came back onto, say back onto the scene. They're probably on the scene, but more so into the, the, the mindset of the football teams that are a bit bigger. Out of those periods, again, I know you're more of a 90s lad. Uh, probably, I think you're the same age as me, Rob, to be honest. Um, We'll probably be more 90s like I am in terms of growing up with football. What era of football shirt is your favourite out of those to start off with? So it's it's definitely the 90s, the area yeah. stuff. So basically, it's it's always your memories, isn't it? It's it's how it's how attached you are. It's basically yeah, two, two area periods we have. I think we were 94 till 2009. So big 15-year span. And that period of the club was quite incredible. But basically 94 to sort of 98. So four years we had... Uh, we won the league, yep. mid-table in the Premier League, two cup finals and relegators. Then we came second and got promoted again. So that four-year spell of kits 
for me, are just brilliant because they're so different all the way through. You yeah. remember we had, when we had Ravenel, we had Borough, massive letters. That's the blue, that one of the blue bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the red one with um, Borough down and Borough on the short. Then we had, when Merson arrived, there was one with just the white band that said Borough on the back. So everything was quite different, whereas you probably see like a lot of Borough is just red shirts, white yeah. shorts. Then Jack Charlton brought in the white band. So we had the band for a little bit. Then we had the band like split into different lines. Then we went back to red. So we had a bit of a mixture really. But then the other, probably the other period is like 2003 to 2006. So we won the Carlin Cup. Then we were in Europe and we finished like seventh in the league. And we got to the UEFA Cup final. And they were, they were actually decent kits. The designs were, were okay for that. The early not early two thousands period, I think, is just an absolute black hole of terror for football shirts because there's some absolute stinkers. But <laughs> we had, we had a couple of all right ones in the middle and sort of did well. The Adidas stuff is so bland. It's just we were the same as fifty <laughs> other teams. I mean, the shirt quality. I mean, you could burn them and nothing would happen. <laughs> the way they're made, they're just made for. Anything. We talk about the the old kits in the nineties where you got bobbles and clicks. Yeah, Those yeah. Adidas ones, they'll be the same in a hundred years. Bombproof. Because the yeah. quality is brilliant, but they were just we were just a template team. I'm sure there's one right, and I talk about Adidas here. The, I'm sure it's exactly the same template as the Chelsea one, where I had basically it was like a black one, but it had like more or less hoops going through it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you you had that one as well. Yeah, and yeah. I looked at that. I'm sure, yeah, I can't remember that was. It was a couple of years back, but I looked at it yeah, and yeah. just thought, that not that just Chelsea shirt with yeah, a bullet yeah. badge on it? And this is what does my head in about templates, right? And I, I know we'll probably talk, we could talk about kits for into a long and grey, you know, um, but templates do my head in. And as a, as a Cov fan, and I can I can talk about it from a template perspective, I want to see similarities between us and Borough with this as well. We went through a barren years of having Nike and Puma, and they were just off-the-shelf catalogue shit as I will call it. And you could you could go into any old sports shop pretty much and pick up a blue and white striped shirt up, stick it on somebody, put a badge on and go, oh, we'll sell that for 50 quid and call it a cov shirt. And as a cov fan, uninspired, didn't turn me on at all. And I completely switched off from buying shirts during that period. And, and people go, oh, how many cov shirts have you got? And I go, you know what? I haven't got as many as I've got buying Munich shirts. Uh, pretty yeah. much because I hated every shirt we had from that Nike and Puma period where I didn't buy any. I think I bought two. Yeah. And I was like, I, why would I want to buy a shirt that I don't like? And I'm probably different to some collectors in that, in that case where I go, if I don't like it, I won't necessarily get it. Um, just because it's my team doesn't mean I want to wear it. Um, yeah. And I don't want to fork out 40, 50 quid on a shirt that I think that's a lot of shit. Um, so I've got loads of gaps in my cough stuff. I, I typically chase the stuff that I really want and I've got yeah. most of it, let's face facts. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I totally agree. The Borough stuff that you had in that that nineties period, that ninety two, I suppose onwards, Premier yeah, League stuff yeah, up yeah, until yeah. up until I suppose the up and downs you got relegated, and up until two thousand ten, there were some good stuff in there, some really yeah. good stuff early days, in that Premier League years. And as you say, I suppose I, I do picture Emerson in it. Yeah. I do picture Janino and Ravinelli, particularly that white one with the blue stuff all over yeah, it. And yeah, yeah. That. That must have been a more or less a pinnacle of being a Borough fan, especially as a young lad, because that's what would have, would have been young lads, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Always going towards getting towards teenage years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Same as me. That must have been a pinnacle of, of being a Borough fan at that point, seeing those players rolling. And tell tell me about how you felt when those lads signed for you. I mean, a lot of Giannino's and the Ravenellas and Emerson's. It, it must have been unreal because I can't think of anything better than that. Oh yeah, well, I, well, this year. 
So the one that I'm wearing is the 95, 96 away. So it's half blue, uh, blue and black sort of halves. So this was, I was on holiday uh, yeah. in Mallorca with my family. My birthday's in August. So you always got a full kit for my birthday because it just come out. Then you got the alternative kit for Christmas. We were, we were on holiday. Sky Sports comes on and Borough v Arsenal is live. Opening weekend of the season. And we go 1-0 up after like 20 minutes with Nick Barnby. And I'm thinking, we've paid like over £5 million for this player. Some player so, as well, Nick Barnby. Oh, it was quality, yeah. It was like 21. It was, it'd be like signing, I'm not going to say like a Jack Grealish type, but you know, like an under-21, well, no, yeah, about, yeah, about to become a full international. Yeah. Went to Euro 96 at the end of that season because he'd done so well. Yeah. And then we think, wow, this is amazing. Now we signed this Janino, and back then, you didn't know who he was. You'd never, if you'd read World Soccer a little bit or maybe seen him on something else, yeah, you, might yeah. have, but you didn't really know who he was. Got him, and then the following summer, Obviously, everyone would have watched Champions League's finals in that that time because if you didn't have a Sky subscription, it was Champions League every Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you had the final the, on a Wednesday, not a Saturday like now, a Wednesday night in the middle yeah. of the week. Yeah. It was Ravinelli, Juventus against Ajax. Two weeks later, you spend £7 million pounds mm. and you've just signed Ravinelli. <laughs> and I left primary school in 96. So we just kind of, we were on yeah. the end of finishing that. And then we were talking on the playground that, I think somebody brought in like the Evening Gazette, which is like the lovely paper, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Ravinelli, seven million on the back. And you think, what? what is actually happening here? We have just, he scored in the Champions League final. He's just signed for a team who finished like 13th in the Premier League. And we, my dad had managed to get us season tickets for that season. Oh, wow. That was my first year as a season ticket holder, which is just incredible. It, it, it blows my mind, to be fair, that, uh, it still blows more to this day that Middlesbrough managed to snare him, and I, I still don't understand how. And it, it is those things of championship manager dreams and legends. Yeah. That you, you go and sign a Champions League winner that scored in the Champions League for your team, little old Middlesbrough and little old sort of commentary, should we say? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't happen. And I suppose you look at it now and you think, Jesus Christ, that's that's never probably going it, to. It's unlikely to happen again, isn't it? Let's face facts. But I look at that and I still don't understand how that happened. And the only thing that you know, I can ever think of is. Steve Gibson was he took over a long time ago so he was there at that point wasn't because he appointed Brian Robson yeah he must have ploughed some cash into that club at that point to do that well I think so he took over in 86 when basically we nearly went out of business and he was he was sort of he was 27 at the time I think in 86 so he, he was oh. quite a successful businessman at that point 10 years later you know I'm 36 now so he was my age putting money into his local football club to sign players like Janino, Emerson Ravinelli and I think yeah. at the time as well, I mean, I always remember Coventry being probably quite similar to us around that in that 90s period. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of you know, a, a decent, small club who had some good years in the Premier League, signed some decent players, had some good moments. But I think at the time as well, there wasn't a massive gap between your wealth at the top. Like people yeah, forget, like United were very rich even at then because they were getting yeah. 45,000, 50,000. But everyone else was kind of only... Five million less or ten yeah, million. Squashed, less. Yeah. You look at it. I mean, Man U make what seven hundred million a year, and the other clubs make a hundred million from Sky, basically, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's all. This difference yeah. in what it is, yeah. So I think basically we had a bit of money. Gibson put some money in. The new football, you know, was going to be a bit of a cash cow as the years went on. And I think at the time, so we paid seven million for him. Collymore went that same summer for eight and a half million, and we were paying Ravinelli rumored forty grand a week. Oh, that's a lot of cash back then, isn't it? Even, yeah. So you think what's, 90s, what's, what's that? That's, that's 250 grand nowadays. Well, you, like that. you think so, yeah. So, he's, I mean, I, th I was thinking um, 
about this when you'd sent the questions and stuff for him, things to think about. I wondered what he would cost now. So it's, you'd probably look it's, at it's like to say, 60, it? 70 million, probably scored in the Champions League final, maybe even more. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to say. I suppose who, who could just stick in the same remit and it's of winning it? Did he only win it once? I think he must have done, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking compared to someone like Lukaku, maybe. You know, it was that decent level striker, but not one of the best, not the best in the world, but in the top 10 or top 15 or whatever. Yeah. yeah it, 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 I mean, even looking at somebody for like, I'm, I'm going to use no Italian, but even looking at somebody like Christian Vieri, that was only a couple of years yeah. later that, that transferred for 30 odd million quid from, you know, to winter and that, that's, that was only what, mid 2000s, I think. So that's 10 years later yeah. that he did that. Mm-hmm. So you are right. It, if you've got that level striker, this, this day and age, he's going to cost you upwards. Yeah. It's going to be a lot I of think, money, isn't he? So at that, at that time, it was sort of Colin Moore and Ravinelli went for like eight and seven million. I think we got Emerson as well for four, was was it? four, four million, something like that. Jolino was so about re- five, was he? Yeah. Yeah. So we'd spent, we'd basically spent about, what, 20 million on four players it's over two years. But not really bought anyone else. Whereas yeah. obviously now, like Borough, I don't know what country like, but Borough, I think we bought 12 this summer. Yeah, and we'll we'll go we'll go into that in a bit, yeah. finish, mate. Because we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about we'll talk about the current season and what you think about it. And I'm going to strip it back because we've we've digressed from shirts, which is great. Like in terms of where we talked about, we talked about the players that are wearing the shirts because it's lovely to talk about that. If you had to, you pick your favourite shirt, probably because it's probably is it going to be that one that you're wearing? Is that your favourite yeah, shirt of all time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I want to support so. So we'll fast forward to present season and let's let's touch upon the current shirts. So. How many shirts have you got? Three shirts this season. I think you've got home away. I've seen, I've seen a third shirt. I'm sure I've seen a third shirt. Which is, is it white? I don't. We haven't worn one yet. We did have a third shirt last season. It oh, was white with kind of a stadium design. On oh, it. it's, it's that one I'm thinking of. I thought yeah, that was yeah. this season. Yeah. So I apologize. We probably seen... will wear it this season. Normally it's against Bournemouth. Oh, okay. Obviously they're red and black. So normally yeah. we have a black and blue away shirt. So yeah. we can't wear red. Can't wear blue and black. So it's like. It's Bournemouth time, everybody. Third shirt needs to be released. Let's make a white one. You're like, oh, right, okay. So it's, it's, it's interesting. The reason why I thought your that was your third shirt this year is because we've got we've got four shirts a season. So we've got the home the way, we've got the membership club shirt, which was yeah, the return to the yeah. return. This class has returned to Rico one, which is white and it had stadium print on it, which yes. is what I was like. I was like, that's very similar. And then the fourth one is obviously the two tone one that's been released in yeah. the last two weeks, which is probably the best of the lot for me. Yeah, but. And I'll, I'll touch on this season shirts because what, what do you think of since you've had Humil back since 2019? What's your take on them? Do you know what? Till this season, I was really enjoying what they were doing. So the first season they came back, we had them in '86 when you know yeah. we nearly died. So they basically made that shirt again, yeah, pretty much. So made yeah. a modern version of it. Then the following season, they had one that was based on like the late '80s shirt that had. It wasn't striped, but it had a panel where the sort of stripes were cutting across it now. And, you know, it was a good shirt. This shirt season, they've tried to do something that has got the transporter within it. Then the first Riverside shirt within the fabric had the transporter printed on it. But it looks, for me, the more I look at it, it just looks terrible. So it's got the huge sort of big transporter bridge on it. But there's about 10 of them. You can't really tell what type of bridge it is. Then we've got the band with it as well that then goes down the sides of it, which is kind of based on one from like 2006. And it comes around the back. You've probably got 
So Hummel, for people who don't know, they basically have like a template, but it's not a design template. It's a sort of a technical template, as in yeah. the way the shirt is manufactured and structured. So it's a bit awkward because it kind of has these panels that go around the back and it doesn't quite work. And the material's a bit stretchy and it's, Kind yeah, of feels a bit odd. We've not had that from from them um, previously. Like last, quite like last seasons, it was basically a '95 replica, but with yeah. a, a band on the middle. Then the away shirt is based on that shirt I was talking about earlier, which is my first shirt, which is like the sort of jade green one. And I like that. I like yeah. that in terms of the colours they've used now, yeah. that sort of jade green, teal colour, and, and gold, yeah. isn't it? And I think yeah, that looks a lovely shirt. Chevron, yeah. Whether whether that's that's that comes out as well as it does on photos, I don't know because I've not seen it in hand. Is it's, it, is, a, it's it's a nice shirt, but like you were alluding to a little bit before, it feels like off the peg Hummel. So they've oh. gone to the Hummel factory yep. and said, right, oh, that Borough Bur- had that colour before. Let's chuck a badge on it. I mean, it sounds funny, doesn't it? Make the badge or the sponsor a different colour. So make them all green, make them gold, add a little bit of detail. Can you put a bit of, like you say, two-tone colour into it? So to be honest, this season, I've been a little bit disappointed with Hummel, but Certainly before that, I mean, compared to what we were getting from Adidas, it's night and day because I've seen it with Comfrey shirts. Yeah, they, They've looked back and gone, right, what has this club had previously? Yeah, How can we bring that up to date? Let's do it. And I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you this season, right? And I look back, so we've had, this is our third season with them. So in the first season, we had the first and which we say the home and away kits both had the same template. It's the easiest yeah. way of saying it. it's the same template with the half and half. Um, sky blue, white stripes, and then the sort of dark blue, uh, navy, should we call it, and yellow stripes. And that worked nicely. Um, I'm just trying to think, what do we have a third shirt that here? Is that the one that we had the first two tone kit? I think it was the first two tone kit. Yeah. And I, I personally didn't like that. I thought it looked a bit cheap, so I didn't get it. Uh, do I regret it now? Yeah, probably, because it's, it's the only kit I've not got those humans released at the moment, I suppose, apart from the seasons. Um, second season was a throwback as well, I suppose, because we had the, the bottom half of it was back to the 93, 94, 92, 93 season, sorry, where it was like the bird ship season, as I call it. So the blue yeah, and white yeah. one, but obviously the yeah. top half wasn't, so I had it faded. Um, this season... Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I suppose we've we've got. I'm just trying to trying to get words out of thinking about it. But the home shirt we've got is, is supposed to have a phoenix on it. I think that's what we class it as, and it, it would have been really really good if it had been darker. Uh, I think I've re- I've seen it referred to a few times as the sweat patch or a sweaty bra <laughs> on, on on Twitter because it does look that way. Next time yeah. you, you see it, mate, have a quick yeah, look. Yeah, we'll be able to unsee it now. <laughs> and and I, I haven't either, right? And I've not yet bought it myself. I've not bought it, the the lad, um, even though he wants it. Um, mainly because I've just gone, oh, it's at the moment it's the worst home kit we've had. Um, I think everybody was like, it's great. It's something fresh. It's not a throwback. It's not. And I understand the design yeah. concept of it, the Phoenix and what it means and why it's linked to the club. Great concept. It's just not delivered as well as it should have been. Then we throw, we throw the other side. And I think the same as you, I've gone away kit. Okay. The away kit's going to be better than the home kit because the home kit's a bit of a stinker. Yeah. The away kit comes out and it's exactly the same template from last season, but it's in pink and blue. And again, I get, I get, I get the history from our club, and I get it's linked back to singers, as was the black and red one we had last season. But it could have been so much better if they'd thought about it a little bit more, and not just gone, "I oh, will throw that out," and people will buy it, which they have, yeah. uh, and people have raved about it. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Then we've got, as you say, we've got this third shirt, 
uh, yeah, it's classed as that. Plus, I don't know, the fourth shirt is classed as is the Return to Rico one, which has got, and it's the only one I've got this season, it has got a different material to it to the rest of them. And mm-hmm. you've, you've best upon that. It's that stretch material that I've got it and thought, I've not worn it to a game yet. I think I've worn it to try it on to make sure it fits. And it's, hang, it's hung up on my rail upstairs, along with cover shirts, and I've not worn it again because I'm not sure if I like it or don't. Mm. I, I get I get the concept of it again. It should be a nice shirt. I think one of the lads that, that usually does the podcast with me, Neil, call it the Etcher Sketch shirt because it looks like someone's just drawn on it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seems similar to the one that you had last season then. It's very much, it's based upon the stadium. It's got the stadium uh, design on it and yeah. it, it looks a bit cheap enough, to be honest. And um, yeah, it, it's I, been a bit, it's been a bit of a letdown, I think, this season for a few, not, few fans. Yeah, I'm not sure whether Hummel, they've expanded quickly. When we had the first run of our shirts, a few other clubs. I'm trying, I'm trying to think who it was. Was it Forest Green? Was it they Forest they got they binned them off, didn't they? They did, yes. Yeah. So they had a load of production problems and they couldn't get kits out on time. I'm not sure if Coventry had a problem with one of their shirts at some point, but anyway. But then they we had problems uh, last season where we didn't get a second batch of sh- So normally I think they get a batch of shirts in like July to sell, then they get another batch at like Christmas, and then basically they just clear the dead stock at the end of the year, don't yeah, they? Yeah. But I think they've expanded so quickly. And now they've got like Everton and Southampton. Whereas like Borough mm, might yeah. have been, well, you're the top English team that we've got. Yeah. We'll really look back at your history. We'll look at all those designs. We'll bring them in. Now it's like, well, we've got two Premier League teams now. And you We're know not what? as bothered about you anymore. 100%. You know I, mean? I, I felt the same. I had a conversation. I've not spoken to anybody else about this because I thought it's only us as Cov fans that have really probably have a, a talk about it and think about it. But having somebody else that's uh, not a Cov fan that's got the same kit designer as us, it's interesting to see you saying the same thing. So I've gone, you know what? Focus has been taken away. And I, I for one, I think when they first came back, um, back in 2019, and they hit and got us and got you, I went, oh, it'd be great to see them break into the premiership and probably get a top six team. Mm. And I sort of wish now that they hadn't broken there yeah, <laughs> in yeah. some way. Yeah. Double-edged sword, really. Yeah. Seeing them break in and get that monopoly is great because you always get the Nike and the Adidas in there and you think, yeah. oh, okay, they're always going to have something. But seeing them break in is great. And now they're producing really nice kits for those clubs. And mm. um, I, I'm just trying think, I think Tom stuck one up um, of the Southampton shirt on Twitter today and I saw that and how it's how it's bevelled in with obviously the Southampton badge and stuff. I thought that looks beautiful, a beautiful yeah, shirt. Yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah, they're, they're getting some nice shirts now and we're not getting those sort of shirts that that we used to have, should we say. Um but but yeah, it it is one of those where I, I just think that they maybe they've just they've not paid as much attention. I've, yeah. I've, I've got hopes for next season I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be another spark of genius and i'll bring something different out and i i've got to i've got to be careful because i'm, I'm not going to be careful but I, i'm not going to criticize them overly because they've done something great with the clubs that they've had yeah, and brought have, stuff back especially when you think about the yeah the templates we've had and suffered through from adidas period or for you guys and for nike and adidas there's nike and puma for us that it, it didn't inspire anything and then you flip it the other way you've been treated something but then you think oh but we want more and it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's no different to everybody else. Where you think, oh, we, we want some accounts and we don't know what we can give them. But if you had to throw back to those Adidas days, you'd easily take who Mulligan out. Oh, and 100%. Like, yeah, and I'm exactly yeah. the same, mate. It's it's one of those. It's, it is interesting, though, that one. Um, I, I, it's, I think the other thing is, what would you like to see in the future for, for your next shirt next season? If you were there as 
a humor, should we say designer, what would you be looking at thinking that we can replicate that or we can take a different spark on this modern twist and make this like new? So I'm not a massive Borough fan that's wedded to the white band. Okay. Now, a lot of Borough fans think a Borough shirt is not a home shirt without a white band. But if you look at our history, I think we've only had 25 years out of 125 that have had a white band. So for me, um, I'd love to see them have a go at just doing a really classic simple red shirt design but with a couple of hummel twists whether it's yeah. the chevrons or whether it's, a, it's some detail on the collar or, or even on the back it's just just a real classic you know like you know, you know when you think like i just want a really smart kit yeah then the away and, shirt just just do you know what do what you like as long as the kind of club colors yeah. you know we have we often have like the inter milan away kit that's kind of our alternative yeah. we might have a white kit or we've had the the jay green one so just just do something a bit different on that one and if you do have to bring a third shirt out fine go even crazier with that one or make it so we yeah. had what so the third shirt from last year actually was linked to our, our mfc foundation charity okay that the club run so there was no sponsor and it actually had like the foundation on so that would be brilliant if they did something charity related for a third one because then obviously more people buy it and whatnot but just yeah classic home kit would be brilliant really you know out there away kit and maybe something like that for thirds would would you say with the, with the away kit would you look at strictly colors that have been used before or would you look at trying to do something completely different because I, I know some some people get stuck in the ways and go i expect it to be that color and it needs to be that colour because that's, again, like you're saying with the red stuff and white, it's borough, so therefore it should be like that. Yeah, I mean, I I like something a little bit consistent in terms of the colours, but every, you know, every four or five years, do something totally different. Do something we've never had before. There was one year we had um, a white and purple. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that. I remember one? that. It was basically, it was the inverse of the previous season's yeah. home shirt. So the previous season home shirt, but they just made it for the away one, and it was white. We've never had white and purple, but you know, it was what? an old was, shirt actually. Right, yeah, yeah, I just remember that. It was a decent shirt. Again, and I know I'm coming back to Cov, and I don't want to speak about Cov. There's a lot of clamour, should we say, for for Cov to return to a purple and yellow shirt. And I'm I'm one of those people that would love to see it come back because we had two glorious kits produced out of that. I suppose the ninety, I think it was ninety five, ninety six shirt, which was the again a pony one Persia across it. We had the, yeah. the thin, thin gold strips, but obviously the bold purple, which was a glorious shirt which I've got upstairs. And then the the other take on that was the Lecoq Sportive Subaru one. It was a little bit more brash because it had the Subaru in red, yeah. but it was still purple and you know we've we've not associated with purple and you know, in any stretch of the imagination. We've had two kits I think in all the time, but they've both been superbly delivered and the Cov fans are now coming for having that again. I would love to see that back, but again, what I don't want to see is it being more or less a replica of that. Something of a modern twist, as you're saying. Yeah. Use those colours, but do something yeah. exactly with it. I don't care what yeah. it looks like. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's, I wouldn't say annoyed me. When I look at, again, our kits, then you can go at Bristol City, who have had some good stuff as well. Their keeper kits, I've loved. And our keeper kits have been really drab. I'll, yeah, be, I'll be honest. Awesome. I've just got yeah. looked and think, yeah, this awesome. year, this year the black and yeah. the yellow. And I'm like, well, oh, that's boring. And then you look at Bristol City and think, how are they getting that? It's like, what are they doing differently to get that? And, and also with the warm-up kit, Bristol City's warm-up kit, yeah. there's been some brilliant stuff. They've got that, I don't know, the one that's got, like, it's multicoloured, it's got links to the city on it, so it's got the hot air balloons, the Bristol yeah. Bridge, all those links to it. And I look at cities and I think, why is that so shit? It's just a sky blue top. I'm thinking, clearly we've we've agreed something somewhere that we our training kits like that. I don't know about your training kit. I can't remember what it looked like when you played as our. Do you know what? 
couldn't tell you. It, and that's probably, how you probably a white template. It could be a black template. It could be I can't even remember. But I think there must be someone signing off in the club when they say, "Look, we can do you a training range. We can do you some shirts, some long sleeves. We can do some jackets. We'll do some whatever." And they'll go, "We can do this." Yeah, because it, I mean, it's no different to the Adidas stuff. So you know yeah. those sort of like bench coats and yeah, other yeah. stuff. They are, you know, they are decent stuff to be fair, but. You, you take the Hummel badge off and you couldn't tell it was Hummel if you just no. stuck an umbro on or you stuck a whatever. And, and I'll, I'll touch upon that. So we, we've got a warm-up jacket this season and I would have much preferred that design as our home kit because it's more or less a, if you imagine the like, Holland 86 shirt and it's yeah. got that sort of geometric design, it's, they yeah. use that as a warm-up jacket and sky blue and it's got a little bit of white gradient through it and that looks absolutely spot on. It's yeah. about 70 quid for the jacket so I won't be buying that again until yeah, the end yeah. of the season if it goes in the end of the season sales. Yeah. But that as a as a first team, as we say, a first shirt, home shirt would have looked absolutely divine and stuff like that. Even if it got used on like a borough shirt, that'd have probably yeah. looked quite nice as well. Yeah. And it just it perplexes me how they've got that design there and gone, man, we'll, we'll stick a sweaty bra on yeah, yeah. your home yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what what kind of kind of deals they have with these smaller no. clubs. The smaller clubs get a little bit cut of the shirt sales, but Bristol City have just thought, do you know what? We're probably going to sell an extra thousand of these to shirt sellers online yeah. or you know yeah, people have. who want to get them and look cool in them or whatever you know you just reaches that different bit of an audience whereas if it was a tenner and i thought oh do you know what? i'll wear that for five aside or wear that for six aside or whatever you'd probably get it if it's anything more than that i'm not you're not going anywhere near it and often we do have quite a lot of stock left at the end of the season because it is just it's the same as last year but we've got a yellow chevron instead of a blue chevron or yeah. we've got a white chevron instead of a black one so it's yeah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. I, I, whilst we could talk about shirts for one night, I'm going to move on from it, mate. Um, and we're going to go to... We, we started talking about when you talked about transfers and said you've had 12 players in. We're, we're going to touch on this current season and how you think you're getting on. So I've wrote down a little bit because it's just a case of me trying to jog my memory where you are. So at the moment, 14th in the league, as it stood. Um, so won six, drawn three, lost seven. Are you, are you are you is that where you expect to be at the start of the season? Um I probably expected us to be top half of the table. I'll say that. When, when the players that we signed in the summer before the end of the transfer window look like classic Neil Warnock plodders. <laughs> they probably they probably get us to, you know, fifty-five to sixty-five points, wouldn't pull up any trees, probably have a couple of nice little runs of form where you might win four and six and you think, is the playoff push going to come? You know, we've got to eight, we're only four points away. And then you think, oh no, we fall off again, we lose five. And you kind of accept that because it's probably going to be his last season. So he's probably not going to get sacked. That is one thing that, I mean, I'm on Twitter calling for him to be out, basically. I think, I think we had an exchange about that though, right? Uh, I sort of said, uh, I think it's after, was it after we, we, we played each other and I made a yeah. comment of what do you expect when you've got Warnock in charge? Yeah. And I, I went, I, I totally agree, mate. Dinosaur yeah. football. Yeah. And but, I, I, go on. But saying that, if you look at our best 11, he probably wouldn't have bought any of them because they're a lot younger, they're more athletic, more technical. They want to be on the ball. They want to be running forward in space. So I think there's that kind of, we've got the players for the wrong manager or we've got the wrong players for the right manager and we're kind of stuck in that little limbo we, we just want we're one of these clubs who's now we've got a new head of football now like a director of football okay. so okay. it's basically Stuart Webber's right hand man from Norwich 
Oh, okay. So I think we're going for that model of not getting whipped every week in the Premier League to all those I, I, I get you. There. So you're trying but, to, you know, we're trying to build it up and cheaper players from like Bundesliga two or all those sort of things, and then yeah. slowly build it that way. I, I get you. I, I mean, I, I did look, and I, I know some of the players you brought in. You know, the Sami Amiobi, I think you brought in um, uh, Ikpiatsu from Wickham. Was Wickham. it Wickham? Yeah. Then you've got Crooks from Rotherham. When, yeah. when he signs those three players. Alarm bells went at my head, yeah. and, and that was just during the small. I thought, bloody hell, guys, Middlesbrough are signing some players that are around relegation scrap. Yeah. Are they planning on just clinging to be up? Yeah, yeah. Um, then, then you throw in into the mix your latest, I think, whether it's your latest son or not, but is it, I don't know if Francis last name, Martin, is it Piero? Piero, yeah, I'll push Piero, Piero yeah, and, yeah. And he's come in and he looks like a talented lad. I've not seen a lot of him because I don't think he's played a lot. I think he's only started to turn up the books now a little bit, but he's started yeah. to start to turn it on a little bit. And he's he's a different sort of player, completely like you said, where he goes, he's not a Warnock player, so why he's been brought in? Because clearly they're planning for when Warnock disappears. Yeah. yeah only it, one sense. It was funny, actually, because um, before Amiobi signed, so the lads who I work with, most of them spot Liverpool. So you can obviously imagine what that's like when the last three years when they've been winning everything and we've been yeah, understand it, yeah. swimming nowhere in the bottom of the end of the championship. And I said, my biggest fear for Borough is a team that signs players like Sammy Amiobi. <laughs> right? <laughs> Two weeks later, I sent him a picture with Amiobi and Warner stood there holding the Borough shot. I just thought, that's, that's me done. Because Give that, yourself your own that is the club I never, ever want to become of like, you know, your Sammy Amiobis and your daughter. Oh, God, I just can't imagine. But we signed those three who were all at least 6-1. Yeah. There's a little bit going on with Amiobi in the fact that he arrived and within two weeks, he was never mentioned on the website. He was not on any photographs. He didn't go on any pre-season trips. So basically, he's got an injury that we either knew about and no one did Ooh. anything about. That or this injury we didn't know about, and basically he's not going to play the season, as far as we're aware. They I, keep I, saying, didn't, I've not, I didn't hear anything yeah. about that. I must admit, it's the first one I heard about. So nowhere, sure. there's nothing about it anywhere. Oh, that's probably what we like One article, or maybe two articles from like the local paper. Oh, Crux, I wonder why he's quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crooks is like six four, and he's a limited footballer, but he's looked all right playing with Pajero because Pajero's more of a. He's, do you know what he's, he's probably like? He's probably like John McGinn when he was in the championship. He wants. Okay. Move the ball forward. He wants to get it, move it wide, get it and get it in the box, get another shot, take a free kick, take a corner. He's the one who's going to be doing that role, if you like. And that's we need to play a system where it gets the better out of him. Ikpiatu. Oh. I mean Cl- clogger for me. Clogger. If he'd have got relegated with Wickham and he'd got like 17 goals or something, you thought, do you know what? In a bad team, he's got a load of he scored six. Right. Yeah. And I obviously think that's pens. Yeah, and you can't say, you know. Just because at Wickham, a better opportunity wouldn't come along for him. But but we've got we've got some decent. So we signed Andras Spora from uh, Sport and Lisbon on loan, and he's been really good. We signed Onel Hernandez from Norwich, who yeah, yeah. is not as good as he was a couple of years ago, but he's still got some ability. He was injured for a long time in Norwich. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think he got a bad injury when they got promoted. I think so. He was class in the Championship. You know, classic like ten goals, ten assists kind of player. Um, so we've got these loan players who want to play with the ball. And we have a manager who doesn't realise that a ball is needed to play football <laughs> uh, most of the time. So we got we capitulated against Luton um, 
this week. Oh, mate, I've been there and done that. Get <laughs> away from home, five nil. It was one nil, one nil at one nil towards after about twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, and then they scored three goals in the space of like seven minutes. And we still, you know, on Sky, Neil Warnock's teams are really organised defensively. They're strong at set pieces. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're wet. We're weak in the middle. And to be honest, like no disrespect to Coventry and no disrespect to Blackpool, but we shouldn't be getting beat by Coventry and Blackpool, who who you know have got a good organised team. Yeah, in cool. both senses. I'll, I'll, I'll let you carry on until I've done yeah, interrupts. Go on. And then the managers are sensible and they know what players they've got and they know what to get out of them. I still maintain that we've got more quality than both of those teams. And I think we've got more quality than Huddersfield. I think we've got more quality than a lot of the teams in the top half of the league. But we've got a manager who has absolutely no clue what to do. If we had Mark Robbins, we'd be higher in the league. If we had okay. Critchley from... Is it Critchley? Neil Critchley at Blackpool? We'd be yeah, higher in the league. Do you know what I mean? If we had someone who thought, hang on a minute, I've got these players. This is how I'm going to play football. And it's going to do really well. And a lot of people on Twitter said, well, how can our players be better than Coventry players? If they're six places ahead of us, it's like, because their manager knows how to get the most out of the players and he's doing it. And that's what we're not getting, unfortunately. And, you know, it's no disrespect to the other teams and all that, because, you know, we'd love to steal Callum O'Hare off you, but we can't, you know. So I'm going to disagree on the fact that I don't think you've got players that are better than ours. A few, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't agree that you've got players that are better than ours. Um, and you've definitely, your manager doesn't help. I'd, I'd 100% yeah, agree on yeah. that. I, I think we're very level on terms of playing field of where we probably should be and our expectations are slightly different. Whereas commentary, I think our expectations are now, I'm not going to call me, but our fans at the moment, our expectations are much higher because where we are. And they're thinking, yeah. oh, we'll maintain this, we've got a playoff push. I'm at the moment thinking we're going to fall from grace at some point. And as long as we can just keep winning games at home, because our away form is atrocious, that we'll be okay. We got we, we got played off the park in Swansea of the week. Uh, well, it was, uh, was, that, was that this week? That's this week. That was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Got played off the park against Swansea. So Swansea had the ball. They played a much better game than us. They played. They pressed higher up and showed us how to play the game. Um, and their manager is a cracking young manager that's going to do well in this league. Um, and it's... Have you played Swansea yet? No, we haven't actually. And I'm worried. I, I personally, I would personally be very, very worried if I was a Middlesbrough fan. If you got beat by a Coventry team, I would say it's comfortably. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you play Swansea and they play anywhere like the level they played against us, they will destroy you. Um, to be honest, because their press was a lot more ferocious than ours. They kept the ball well against us, who were a ball-playing team, where yeah. at one stage, we couldn't get it off them for a six-minute period. I looked at the clock and thought, that's six minutes gone, we've not touched the ball. Um, and I think Robin's come out and said it afterwards and said, we just got we got done at our own game. Yeah. Um, so if, if Warnock takes a Middlesbrough team into that area um, and tries to play football against them, they are going to annihilate Middlesbrough. Oh, yeah, I think the the problem that we've got and the problem that a lot of the fans have got, whether we've got better players or not got better players or whatever it might be, he doesn't change in-game. I so think we all know that though, right? From years yeah. gone by, you, you know what Warnock's going to do regardless. Yeah. He's going to play one way and if he doesn't like it, he'll play it and complain and shout at people. Yeah, we'd, we'd, won, um, we'd won four out of five because basically we've got no defence. We've got Sol Bamba fit. He's the only defence. Yeah. 
It was actually been unbelievably good. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he was, he was good. He was good. He was good against Cov. He played against Cov, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was yeah. his first start, was it? And he, yeah. was, he was good then. He was good then. So he's had to play Johnny Housen and Paddy McNair either side. And it's perfectly worked because you've basically got two people who can carry the ball <laughs> yeah. out of defence. One doesn't want them to do it, but he hasn't got anybody else. So if you've got two players who want to carry the ball out of the back line, that means you've effectively got two extra midfielders. And, and I always think our formation is basically a circle. <laughs> so there's just a, an absolute void in midfield. I remember watching the highlights of the Coventry game and it was like, is anyone going to close down the midfielders at any point? Or yeah. are they going to try and put any pressure on them in the middle of the pitch? Or are they just going to allow them to play through us? So basically what happens is if we lose the ball in the tack, you're on our defence. Yeah. So if you're a quick team, like Luton were quick, young, athletic, hungry, they're going to beat us. And that's kind of what Warnock doesn't really see. We don't really know why, because it doesn't seem that difficult to understand how to pick our best team. And obviously everybody, every fan thinks they can pick the best team. Yeah, yeah. actually genuinely can pick a better team than he can at the minute. But yeah, I think so, we'll finish about 11th. I'd just like to ask you that. Yeah, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? Because of the players that we've got, even if we don't sack him, I reckon we'll end up about 11th. So if he does get sacked or if he walks in the season, is his contract to play in the season? Has he got another year? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so, he's on so, one year at a time, yeah. So either, either way, you'd hope at some point that Gibson and his cronies are going to go, right, enough's enough. And you'd hope it's going to be in this season. Yeah. Um, if they were going to do it, they probably should have done it now. It depends. So we've lost, you've lost your last two games. You've got West Brom, you've got Millwall, you've got Preston coming up. If he loses all those three, there's a chance he could go, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it probably would be a right call because it gives you that period to try and get somebody in and try and work something in January again. That being the case, and if he did go after the next three games, if you lost them, who would you bring in? So I think Mark Robbins. No, um, <laughs> There's a few people saying that. Yeah, it? yeah. No, someone, someone who's got a similar background to people like Graham Potter or Steve okay. Cooper, who's worked with younger players. Because we do have a good academy still, and we we are still producing good footballers. Um, someone who wants to win, but is also adaptable. So I think the Warnock model was, I want to win, and this is the only way that we're going to do it. Yeah. You don't want to do it. Tough luck, you're out. I think someone who's flexible like that. I know Russell Martin. I think was an interesting one for um for Swansea to take. It's funny because I was about to mention him and say, you know what, he and this is this is why I suppose. Um, I was a little bit more worried about Swansea on, on Tuesday is we played MK Dons in the warm-up game pre-season with our full right. side. Russell Martin was in charge of MK Dons and had them pressing high, mm. um, had them playing high tempo against us and they beat us 5-0. Wow. MK Dons. Don't get me wrong, it was probably our second pre-season game. Yeah, so we, yeah. much too into yeah, it. Yeah. So we went into the pre-season after pre-season thinking we're going to be in a high nothing. We lost pretty much every pre-season game and then went on this run. We did well. But if he set his team up like that as an MK Don's team, then he set up Swansea to do exactly the same. He's got the sort of tempo that people will be interested in. I've got no doubts about it. If if a big if he keeps performing the way he'll perform with his team, the a premiership manager goes, they probably won't go after Robbins because he's a little bit too old. They'll probably go after yeah. him because he's playing the smarter football at a younger age to try and get that tactical analysis in. It, it'll be interesting. I, I personally, again, I've said the same sort of thing. If Robbins went, I, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to turn. 
No, I think Ryan Lowe was the one that was mentioned quite a bit. He's obviously doing well at Plymouth. Yeah. They're playing three at the back with wing backs, which if you look at our squad, it's probably way we haven't got like the two, you know, we haven't got the Stuart Ripley's on either side or Stuart Downing's yeah. bombing up and down. We haven't got that style uh-huh. of player at all. So someone like Lowe, who's, you know, turned Plymouth to basically to being where they were maybe ten years ago when they were kind of yeah, yeah, we understand. Bottom yeah. six of the bottom six of the championship, top six of League One in that sort of Peterborough area, I call it, where yeah. you're kind of bouncing around between those two bits of the leagues. But I think we'll end up with someone like under 45. I know it sounds a bit daft, but someone under 45 who's quite new in the career. There's talk of us possibly going down the Norwich Barnsley route of maybe a, a lower league Belgian manager, mm-hmm. German manager, something like that. Doesn't always work out that right. No, it doesn't. But if you've got a plan. I don't mind. So, like, I think what Barnsley had, like, Barnsley maybe had four managers in five years or something. They've messed it up this time, haven't they? Yeah. Some of them work, some of them haven't. But then you look at Ismail, who's at West Brom, who we play tomorrow, which I'm genuinely, genuinely terrified about because they literally kick the ball forward and run at you really, really fast. And if you can't withstand it, they will just pummel you completely. And it, isn't actually that nice to watch. And mm. it's quite robust, isn't it? And we played Barnsley, I think it was last season. I think they might have beat us 2 and or 2 1 at home, I think it was. And they were just literally bam, bam, yeah. bam, yeah. ball in the box, ball in the box. But, and we were like, what the heck? What is this? And you think, you know, your Warner team would be like, right, everybody, we're going to play four at the back. We're going to play two holding midfielders. We're going to play deep wing. At... No, not at all. Just bypass it, to be honest. They just, just go through us. Yeah. And they've got quality. That's that's the other massively, but yeah, I think it's going to be one nil to Borough or five nil to West Brom. <laughs> it's quite a stark difference then. Yeah, so, yeah. and it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll keep a watch out for that. To be fair, and I'll probably keep a watch out for the next couple of games after speaking to you because I do think these next three games could be they could be difficult for for you guys to be honest. Looking at them because they're. they're Again, West Brom at top, Millwall, Preston, probably around about where you are. Yeah, and yeah. You, you lose all three of those. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a bit of a dogfight going into the, the back end of uh, of November, don't you? Which is not great. Uh, it, it's a good summary of that, mate. From from thoughts of current season, I, I wish you all the best uh, going into the rest of the season, mate. If we look back at happiest memories supporting your club, you mentioned a few earlier on in terms of your league cups, uh, your promotions, your first season in Premiership. Have you got a happiest moment supporting the club that you can put your finger on? I'm guessing I know where I'm going to go with this, but we'll, we'll ask it anyway. Go on. Uh, probably the Carlin Cup final win. Yeah. After after seeing two um, cup final defeats when I was like 11, to get there when I'd just started uni or whatever it was, and we went to Cardiff and it was yeah. just, the roof was over. When we won it and the lights went down, the music starts, just, yeah, proper magic moment. Which is which is a great one. I, I I can't remember for my life, now. I'm trying to remember. What was the score? Who did you play in that one? I, uh, 2-1 v Bolton. We were 2 nil up after six minutes. And considering we'd conceded after 43 seconds in the FA Cup final with Roberto Di Matteo, which yeah. was just heartbreaking as a kid, that we could not believe, Borough fans could not believe that we were winning that game. But yeah. Who, who, scored, who scored the goals in that game, mate? Is it was uh, Joseph Job, who oh, made wow. his debut. Joseph Desire Yeah. 3-1 win when Boxer uh, scored twice. Well, yeah. And uh, Zenden with the double kick penalty. Yes, he, he slipped. He slipped. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now I remember. To be fair, yeah. I couldn't. I, I didn't look. At, I, I knew that you obviously won it. I didn't look at the yeah. score and scores because I'm like, you're going to do it off the top of your head. I thought there's no point in me looking. Yeah. Um, 
we're going to go straight from happiest moments to lowest moments. And whether you've already mentioned it or not is a different matter. There's a couple there that you probably pulled out. League Cup, FA Cup, UEFA Cup, relegations. Yeah, There's yeah, a few to choose from, unfortunately. Mate. Think, oh. Probably the lowest moment. So basically from March to May of 1997, we played, must have played about 20 games because we had semi-finals, replays. We had the Chesterfield 3-all with yeah. Sean Dyche was there. But we won the replay. We had the Leicester Coca-Cola Cup final. Emil Heskey equalised in the 120th minute. Yeah. But the lowest period of that one, it wasn't the 4-0 when we got beat in the UEFA Cup final in 06, but 97, Hillsborough, Coca-Cola Cup final replay, Steve Claridge yeah. bouncing shinner into the back of the net to get beat 1-0 was just and every, horrible. Everybody horrible. can picture that, no doubt. It's oh, a 90s kid that can, that can replay that in the morning and just think, uh-huh. it just, yeah, it just bobbled along. And just went with, his, with his socks down by his yeah. ass. Yeah, they had that massive Leicester shirt, you know, with the big... Oh, I remember it well, yeah. Yeah, was yeah I, I can understand why. I'm, and yeah, I, I, I think if you, you look at those circumstances, you go... Did you ever expect to beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final? The probably answer to that is probably no. Did you ever expect to really turn up uh, and win the UEFA Cup? It's doubtful. Did you expect to turn over Leicester? I think probably you probably thought it's a really good chance here for us to do something. And as you say, you, you were pretty much bob on doing it until the, the replay, let's face facts. So yeah, I understand completely where you're coming from that. Um, you've mentioned a few of these, right? Notable former players. So you've just mentioned... Boxits, you've mentioned Ravinelli, you've mentioned Janino, you've mentioned Emerson, you've mentioned loads of players. I think you mentioned Downing a minute ago, Ripley. Yeah. There's loads of players you've mentioned. Is there anybody else that sticks out in your mind as one of the most notable players you've had that you've watched? I mean, I know a player that comes to my mind, but he is, I think he's eight, is is Bernie Slevin, and he's obviously going to be a Borough legend. Yeah, yeah. But he probably not somebody you remember. No, no. For, from my era, we had a season of Christian Zieger after he left AC Milan. Before yes. he went, before Liverpool poached him off us, he was, he was brilliant. He was absolutely. I forgot about him being brilliant. here. Yeah, Until you said that, I always think, yeah, where he was, yeah. then Bosch, Liverpool. I always yeah. forget that. But that, yeah. I mean, I think he scored like eight goals and got eight assists from left wing back. And in that time, we we basically upgraded Dean Gordon to Christian Zieger over the summer. Don't, and it was, don't start me on Dean Gordon because he's one of the, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. go on. <laughs> but yeah, Christian, Christian Zieger was absolutely brilliant. Um, Mendieta was another brilliant one who'd, who'd gone to like Lazio for like 30 million. Two years later, he signed for Borough on a free. Yeah. And I, I, and I forgot about him as well. Yeah. I forgot. Um, Jimmy Floyd uh, Hasselbank, do you know what? Of anyone, you know, when you watch other players, he was classic Leeds, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea's banging him and you think, He's thirty. He's thirty-four. He's coming for the money. He did not come for the money. He was one of the most like aggressive, competitive. The power that he could oh. hit the ball as well. Jesus, I, I, I have nothing as well. No backswing at all. Just literally, oh, it's like a like a bloody rocket, weren't it? His shots. Yeah, there's, there's, there's there's one player that I'm going to mention because he's a local boy to me, um, and he came from my neck of the woods, Malcolm Christie, and. Mal- he, he, yeah, he, he's yeah. obviously the Neaton lads. He's shelf stacker where in my local town, the Neaton Borough Derby sign him. He goes to you for about seven million quid, I think. Did he go with was it Chris Riggett at the yeah, same time? It was a big deal, yeah, yeah. Big, big deal, he's expecting a lot. It didn't didn't pan out well from there though, did it? No, no. When he played, you know, he was one of those like what you call like a terrier forward, wasn't he? 
he was always chasing down defenders. He was tackling. He'd get in there. He'd be always in the box. Um, injuries, unfortunately, ruined what what he could do for Borough. But since then, so you know, as you'll be the same with Cov fans, we've got a little sort of group of Borough kit collectors who sort of chat through social yeah. media and whatnot. And um, Christy got in well, got in touch with people, and he's been selling and giving and giving some of the shirts, and they've been. Able to go to collectors, wow. so he's been getting rid of some of those. Some of his like you wear for cup shirts and league shirts, and he set up a coaching um set up within like the local area of Middlesbrough, and he stayed quite close to the northeast. Is it? So. Is, it? Is, is he still yeah. local? There? Is it, I'm, I'm surprised he's trying to get rid of stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not because he's uh he's, he's strapped for cash no. and he's, he's getting rid of it for the right reasons. But I think what they'd said was he was such a genuine nice bloke, and they said. He really struggled because he got such bad injuries. He never really properly finished his yeah, career. I understand, yeah. I think a lot of the shirts and stuff still got that sort of old life memory within it for yeah, him. But they said he was such a genuine guy. He was chanting them about Borough, telling them all sorts of stories and stuff like that. But yeah, he, he, he could have been a, he could have been, it sounds like a, a sort of 15 goal, 18 goal a season striker. I, 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 totally, I totally agree because he was, he, again, he was, he was that sort of quick. Quick strike at both yeah, the back yeah. of the shoulders that, that would have got goals without doubt and probably would have made a difference for Borough as well. Yeah. Um, especially if they're playing that sort of football at that time. And I, I'm going to come back to Janino because he he had three spells with Borough as well, I'm thinking. He did, yeah, yeah. So each spell, I think his last spell was probably one of the best spells he had for the club as well. I think yeah. that's before he went to Celtic. He came back, that's did right. about 30 odd games, and scored about 10 goals. Yeah. Was he playing the championship at that level? Was that was that Prem? No, he was back. It was in the Prem, so that was the um, cup final winning season. Oh, is that when it was? Byron had signed him the. I think he'd maybe signed the year before, but he he did his crucial. So McLaren signed him for six million from I think it was Vasco or somewhere in Brazil, and then he did his crucial in a friendly, and he he didn't come back till maybe the February or March, and then he had the Carlin Cup season where we won it, and then. I mean, it was devastating when he left because he missed out playing in Europe and everything like that. But McLaren did the right thing to sell him because he was the focal point of the team. But he, McLaren knew that he was 30, 31 maybe at the time. He couldn't actually take us on to the next level. Whereas we ended up getting players like Zenden, Mendieta, Baduka, Hasselbank, which was that next level compared to what he was like. Yeah, and you, you've hit some, a, few, a few more names there. And I think the, the only other two that I can think of that stick in my mind because they made you rock solid at the back at a time where you were probably going to be a bit shaky. Ugo Ekiog and Southgate came in. Yeah, and, absolutely and, brilliant. And I've got to touch on Southgate just as, as a final player, as a notable player, before we move on to the next section, I suppose. Did you ever see him being England manager when he managed you lot? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think Southgate has got a lot of flack from Borough fans and he'll always be remembered as the man who took us out of the Premier League we've oh. been a Premier League team since 98 we've been to uh, so yeah 98 we've been to the UEFA Cup final we'd had two years in Europe we'd finished seventh we'd seen great players and you know his hands were tied a little bit by transfer budget and we'd spent a lot and stuff but there was a rumour there was a rumour before Southgate signed is that Otmar Hitzfeld wanted the job because obviously we've been that's out there, isn't it? Fast, yeah. Cup final, we had good players, and I think that the quotes coming out of the club at the time is we don't want to turn it into Middlesbrough on the Rhine. <laughs> you think 
but how could you have turned down a manager of that status? Like Martin O'Neill was you know, the one who was linked at the time. And you think that's the next, especially oh, McLaren went to England. That's the next level for us. You yeah. know, really become a solid top half Premier League team, some good cup runs. And we ended up with Gareth Southgate, who's tactic, and he does it for England on about between the minute 55 and 65. <laughs> well, he wingers right to the left. That's the tactic. Right. Stewie, Stewie down and get yourself from the left to the right. And you think, <laughs> what on earth are you doing, Gareth? Come on. He doesn't know. Yeah. I, 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 totally, I totally agree, mate. I know where yeah. you're going. As soon as you started saying that, I thought, no. I know where you're going with this one. Yeah, I'll I, I tell you what, we're, we're going to leave We're going to leave notable players, past players yeah. and past managers there because I think, again, it'll probably cause tears. Um, you mentioned one earlier, so it's sort of Cov connections and players that have played for both clubs, either one after the other, should we say, we've sold to you, you sold to us, or just throughout their careers. And you mentioned one earlier that made me grimace, which was Dean Gordon. Yeah. Um, and we took him off you. I don't know, I think, we, I think we paid money for him as well. And he was absolutely shit. Um, I'm just trying to think of other ones. So I know I know we probably sold you a dud, to be honest, and he was a great player for Cov. I loved him. He's one of my favourite players, Noel Whelan. Now, yeah, do you know he what? went to you boys and he, it just didn't work out. He was, I didn't think he was work injured. out, but when um, when Robson was on the way out and Venables came in for like a season basically to stop us getting relegated, he was just a real hard working target man for us. I think we had like we had Team Windass, Alan Boxich, and Noel Whelan. They were oh, like our three forward choices. It was this, crazy. There's this, this, that story about. I don't know if this is true and I don't know if you can quantify it. There's a story that gets beaten around quite a lot, whether it's going to be Middlesbrough stories or stories that I've heard from Cov players uh, that know Noel Whelan, saying that Alan Boxic um, offered to pay up Noel Whelan's contract because he hated playing for him that much. I don't know if you've heard that or you know if it's true. Yeah, there's, there's, a, few, there's a few like money rumours that go around with Boxic. So I think um, there's one that Windass tells that's like, oh, Alan, look at me, I bought this new car. And then Boxic goes, do you like my new yacht? <laughs> at the time wouldn't surprise me like it must be a lot of money 65 yeah. grand a week he was on that was in what 2000 2003 yeah. crazy yeah, money Whelan was just a classic hard worker he was he was he was, he was fine he wasn't he was great he was fine such a good player for Colvin yeah. I think that he's, I'm still amazed that we got him I'm, I'm not going to talk about him too much yeah. other players that have gone from club to club I think and I think they've gone from pretty much from I wouldn't say our club to your club straight away there's Lukas Djukovic I think he went in, I think it was January transfer window, pretty much last day. He went on loan yeah. and about two days later we signed and we had nobody yeah, yeah. come in. And that was the season we got relegated yeah. um, from, from the championship. But he was he, he's a decent player. I don't know what we was like for you guys. Uh, for me, that was like the start of becoming really disinterested with Borough because I oh, just really? thought he was terrible. He was just so slow. His touch was off. And then obviously every time he plays against us, he's brilliant. But we, we we tend to buy people who are good against us, play them out of position, they become terrible, they go somewhere else, they play in their position. Someone tweeted today about um, Lucas and Netcher, you know, the German yeah, under-21 yeah. player. We had him on loan uh, last season or the season before, and we were like, how is he a professional football player? Like, literally, how is he playing professional football? Then you're like, hang on a minute, he's just won the German under-21 tournament. The top yeah. scorer, he's got a 15 yeah. million... Euro move to Wolfsburg after scoring about 20 goals for Anderlecht. <laughs> literally, literally couldn't play football. Could not play football no. every time that happens. No, no, I totally understand. There's, there's players that play for us that uh, play against us that either 
players that we've sold, we've released, or they've they've grown up in Coventry, and you can put money on them scoring against Cov because that's what happens. Patterson is a prime example of that for Swansea on Tuesday. He's a Cov lad. He grew up around the corner from the ground. He's a Cov fan, and one of the lads that I know put a ten quid bet on him, saying, oh, he's, he, he definitely, without yeah. doubt, he'll score." And he's like. After the game, shows it me. There you go, Ed. I made 40 quid on that game. Yes, we lost, but I paid for my ticket plus yeah, some yeah. more. I was like, it's like, mate. I was like, yeah. but you're 100% right. That always happens to us. <clears throat> I think other noticeable ones is goalkeeper that went from, I think he went from us to you. Um, he might have had a club in between. He played a lot of games for you, which I'm surprised about, and a lot of them in the Prem. Um, Greek lad, and as, yeah. we call him, as we call him, constant flopper loss because he just yeah. flops the, and, and flapper loss. But he's constant so, flopper loss. And he played loads yeah, of games for you. Other 100 games, a- I think. Right, this is such a weird story because I think he went from you to Hartlepool, I think. I'm sure he went from from Hartlepool. Right. So so basically, Tony Mowbray was the manager and we only had two keepers. And Mowbray said, God, if we get an injury here, we're absolutely screwed. But he must have been at Hartlepool previously because he still had a house in the area. I think his wife still lived in the area. So Mowbray was like, who can we get that's local? (laughs) Not going to cost us a lot of money. Maybe give him a six-month contract. Just let him be third choice for a bit until we, you know, get an academy keeper. So he ends up getting him, and everybody gets injured. Karanka arrives. We actually had Shea given on loan for a bit, and then all of a sudden, this Constantopoulos arrives in goal. With it. And I was, you know, when you look at someone's screen, you think he's going to be the number one, <laughs> trying to go for like top eight playoffs. But there was a run. I think he kept like eleven clean sheets on the run. And More than that, though, just, I, I had a quick crazy. look at it. I had a quick look at it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's still got your record. I don't know if it's yeah, true, yeah. No, but he's got your record. I think he's got, I think he kept him like 22 clean sheets during the season, yeah, the which season. is which is your biggest clean. I was like, how has that happened? How has that happened? He kept a clean sheet for. So the, I think it was, I think it was the promotion season. Yeah, it, promotion it was. Season. It was. I think 46 he, he went, he went games second, he played. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah. 46 games, he kept 22 clean sheets. <laughs> Bear in mind, he couldn't get a bloody awful league that year. We just had an unbelievable, that was, we had like, the Karanka style was very much like flat back four, two sitting midfielders. You you will not pass kind of thing. But he was good. Do you know what? He was good. And then we ended up replacing him. This is the crazy thing about it. We replaced him with Victor Valdez. Oh, um, um, what? Like how does that? Someone who couldn't become <laughs> like anyone's first choice keeper in League Two or League One <laughs> becomes the Championship's top keeper basically, and then gets replaced by someone who's won about forty trophies. For Barcelona, it's it's mad. Yeah, represents Spain. That's, Bora. That's probably yeah. how I would sum up Borer actually. And, and he wasn't. He, third, the thing yeah. is that with him, he wasn't great either for you, was he? I don't think. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> took the money and ran. Other players, I'm just trying to think. You got one that, that sandwiched in between. So he started at us, went to Villa, and you're probably going to know this because I think he's a big time Borer legend, to be honest. And he's, he's well liked at Cough. George Boateng. Ah, uh, absolute star. What a player. The thing is, though, is he, is he well liked at Coventry? Yeah, he still is. He is he's at still Villa as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and I think he's one just of all around nice guy. Yeah, he was just. Do you know what? When you when you're, it's a bit corny, isn't it? But when you're a fan, if you see them putting effort in, if you see that they're bothered, even if like for you they go to a, a, a local rival, right? You kind of think, do you know what? He's given everything for us. I hope he does well. You know, not not so much for your rival, but no. you know, you hope he goes off and has a good career. He came to us, and he was that he was that sort of. We bought Ehiog, then a couple of years later, we bought Southgate. We basically tried to buy Villa because they were like sixth at the time. We yeah. wanted to be Villa, which wouldn't have been a bad thing at the time. We ended up getting both, and he was just his engine 
was just, I mean, you must have had him when he was, what, 23, 24? So we, we got him from Feyenoord for about, I think he wasn't even playing the first team. I think he was in our final Jong team, should we say. Yeah. Uh, and we got him about £300,000, I think. And he came in and nobody knew who he was. And he hit the ground running in the premiership. And everybody was like, who the hell is this lad? And I think he was, yeah, I think he was 20. Yeah. Um, I think we got two, two, possibly three seasons out of him before Villa snapped him up for about six mil. And he, he went on fair play to have a decent career for, for, for Villa and a very good career for you guys as well. And it, uh, Netherlands international, so he, he was a good player. And he, was a good, he was great. He was absolutely fantastic. And I, I can't say a bad word about him. It's not something I, I begrudge him going to Middlesbrough, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. He didn't, we didn't send him on, but he was. I knew he was going to be a good player for you guys. The last player that I want to mention that, again, got sold as good by you, um, and he's... Norwich, Norwich City sold him to you. And you're probably going to know where I'm going to go with this one straight away because I can see him nodding. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was sold to you with a decent reputation. Yeah. Um, I think he spent most of his time with you injured. Yeah. Um, Republic of Ireland's National came to us when we got relegated. Um, people expected big things of him. And I, I still can't get my head around that one, to be honest. Keith O'Neill. And he played 12 games for us and then found out he had his back broken in like two places and that was the end of him. And it was such, it was such an odd, odd borough career that he had. So in that, so we were basically trying to get promoted at the first um, opportunity we bought. We spent five million on Paul Merson as a championship team after we've been relegated, which oh. in itself is just ridiculous. He was so much better than anyone in that league. It's just absolutely crazy. And then we were kind of we were top, and there was us and Forrest. Remember Forrest had Pierre Van Hoydonk and Kevin Campbell yes. up front, which were they were ridiculous. Then it got to like the January, we we were sort of stalling a bit. We ended up buying Alan Armstrong from Stockport. We got Marco Branca from yeah. Inter, Hamilton Ricard, who was a Colombian who's still our top Premier League goal scorer. And then we bought Keith O'Neill for about nine hundred grand. And when he arrived as like a left winger, wing back, full back, he used to just absolutely bomb on. It. And he was flying up the pitch. And then we never saw him. <laughs> After that, you just never saw him. You're like, oh, if we can just get O'Neill back, we'll definitely sort out that left-hand side problem. He'd come back and he'd break down and they'd be out for another six months. And he'd be like, if we can just get O'Neill back, you know, we can get him out on the left. And he'd break down. <laughs> and it was every time. And I think, oh, yeah, I mean, you feel bad for players like that because they've not had a career, but the decline was just rapid. You just couldn't, you just couldn't play yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, and I tell you what, I'm going to go full circle and bring it's, it's the only Cov connection I can make for it because he played a testimonial for Cov, right? And he played for Middlesbrough, and we're going to go full circle because you mentioned him very early on in the outset, Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. So Paul Gascoigne made his debut for Borough in the Coca-Cola Cup final in 1998. So basically we ended up... I didn't, I didn't realise that, that was his first game. Yeah, it's a bit of a wow. run. I don't know if any teams have done it. We basically were in three consecutive cup finals. We had the Coca-Cola Cup in 97, FA Cup 97, and then Coca-Cola Cup in 98. And he made his debut on the bench, but it was back in the day of three subs. <laughs> so he, that seems like a lifetime yeah, ago, doesn't it? So he took Craig Hignett's place on the bench. And Hignett <laughs> was like a classic attacking midfielder, goal scorer. He took his place on the bench, looked out of shape, did not look fit, looked overweight. He ended up giving Hignett his um, loser's medal. He said, look, you should have been playing, not me, which doesn't start off oh, well, really, does it? Thanks, thanks a lot for he giving me loser's medal. <laughs> then, he, um, then he got injured. Then he played the next season in the Prem. He was actually he was actually all right. And then after that, I think, you know, I think he broke his arm 
elbowing George Boateng in the face <laughs> in a, a game against Villa and he never played for us again. I think he went to Everton after that, didn't he? Did, he yeah. sort of made his way down the leagues. But... Yeah, Burnley, and then he went out to China, didn't he? And then he ended up yeah. with Boston United managing him, I think, something like that. But it was yeah. weird. I know I'd said about watching Gaza in those like Tottenham tapes, the Tottenham videos and stuff, but that wasn't the same person who played for Boateng. <laughs> it, it, it was almost like... I wasn't looking at that young lad. I think he was yeah. like twenty-one when I saw him. It was, it was some, it was actually like it, it was actually another person. Basically, I think for Gaza, when Euro '96 finished, that, like yeah. he was on such a pinnacle, but he just went, he just fell off a cliff after that. It, and I don't want to talk about Gaza too much more because I think we've we've sort of worked our way back, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. back round. You are right. I think the only time we had that bit of career that. In zip and zest back was that Rangers period, wasn't it? So, I, we've talked about some good players and that, some some abominations of players as well. I guess I, I think the one that I like to end up with, and it's easy to go, Oh, what are your best players? What's your best five? Your best six? I'm gonna flip it the other way and finish with a complete shit sandwich, to be honest, and go, What's the worst five players? If you have to pick a five aside team, goalie defenders, midfielder, striker, whatever you want to do it, however you want to name them, what are your worst five players to have played and pulled on your shirt for your club? It could be one game, it could be multiple games, but... Right, goalkeeper's an easy one. So, in, it's the 97-98 promotion season, we're top of the league. I went away to... My family's got fam, got friends in Nottingham, so we went to Nottingham Forest away, top of the table clash, live on Sky Sports. Andy Dibble is on loan because <laughs> Schwartz is injured, Ben Roberts is injured. We've got no keepers. We've got Andy Dibble on emergency 30-day loans you used to do back in the day, didn't you? Yeah. You could get a keeper for 30 days until someone came fit. So what, the first goal goes in and we're all saying, we are top of the league. <laughs> Second goal goes in. We're still top of the league on goal difference. Third goal goes in. Still top of the league. Fourth goal goes in. Borough end goes completely silent. That's the, this is the Sunday afternoon. Then the Wednesday, Tonight it's Loftus Road. I didn't go to the game, and we lost five nil to QPR. So we lost four nil away at Forest, five nil away at QPR, and we were like, we've literally gone from top. To Sunderland were the other good team that year. Sunderland, Charlton, Kirbishley, and Peter Reid, and we were like, we might not even get promoted. We've just lost nine goals in two games. He was an absolute shocker, um, and he only played twice. And then boy, other bad ones. Oh, Other bad ones we had. Phil Whelan we had, who was like a big, massive six foot five defender. Another classic Borough thing. Uh, we signed him too late on deadline day, so he couldn't play for us at the end of the season. So we, yeah, he went like four months not playing. Then he played in the first season in the Prem because we got injuries and he was absolutely terrible. Oh, um, we've had Alan Wright, remember from Aston Villa? We I had do, him. Yeah. And basically, the, I don't know why it took like 10 years for people to realise. They were like, if we just play a diagonal over his head, <laughs> He literally can't get it. Four foot, <laughs> literally. I think we were, we were away to... Oh, where we were, and they were just pinging it over his head every single time. Yeah, keep keep playing it over that box because he literally <laughs> can't get it. So that, I'd go for that. If we go on five sides, so we've got Dibble, Alan Wright, Phil Whelan. That's our midfielder. Bad midfielder. I'll tell you who was, you know, heart on his sleeve for Borough, but Lee Catamull. Oh. Lee Clatamull, we used to call him. He was a shocker. He cried <laughs> when we got beat by Villa, 4-0. <laughs> and then up front... Lee Dongook is one of the worst strikers that we've had. Who's still actually scoring goals in the K League, I think. He's Korean, <laughs> still scoring goals. But I'm not going for him. I'm going for Mido because we spent six, oh, and, six, a and, a half million, for you. six and a half million, seven million. He'd scored, he scored a few goals for Tottenham, and it was like, who do we need? I'll tell you what, we need to play with um, Alfonso Alves, a really overweight. <laughs> it's exactly what I was about to say. 
he came to me, he looked about four stone overweight, and he was, just, he was massive. And it's, it was on Twitter not so long ago, and there was a picture of him. And I think he had something to do with the national team. And I, I flicked past it, and I thought, that's never him. And he, oh. he was about 20 stone. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's let himself go. But I completely forgot he played for you. Oh. <laughs> that that former side has really tickled me, to be honest, mate. It's really, it's really tickled me, because there's some... There's some outstandingly bad players in that just, for you. Just really, really, really bad. There's, tell you what, right, I wrote down two players that I wanted to mention, so two two connections as well. Oh, well on, I forgot man. to mention. Right, Robbie Keane and Steve Frogger. Because oh. we were trying to sign them at exactly the same time as you. And I always remember the back page was like, Borough have sealed the deal for Robbie Keane and all this. And it's like, no, Coventry have got him. I didn't um, realise that. It's like Steve Froggart was the other one, and it was like um, I think he was a left winger, wasn't he, Froggart? He was yeah, a wonderful, was. wonderful player for Coventry yeah. City. He was, was a left left wing back. Got called in the England squad. <clears throat> Sadly, his career got ended by a horrendous challenge by Nicky Summerbury, to be honest. Yeah. But he, he was absolutely flying at Cov, and it was a shame yeah. to see him, 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 him do that. Well, I always um, remember those two because that was like 98, 99 ish, wasn't it? Sort of it late was, 90s. Yeah, yeah, it was the season yeah. before we, we went down, I think. we... We have Robbie Keane. We sold him to Inter Milan. We got in Craig Bellamy. Um, uh, yeah, and that was yeah, that was in the bit really. That was our season done. And it sounds like a really that's a really lacklustre way to finish off this this, this episode, mate. <laughs> I, I was hoping for something more positive. The way we finished yeah. on the final side, I was quite happy to finish on that. We finished on a horrendous moment for me to finish with Cov. Whether you've done that deliberately to well, sabotage how I feel is debatable. You beat us this season. <laughs> You're higher than us in the league. <laughs> no, in, in all in all fairness, Rob. It's it's been. I know we've been on we've been on a recording now for about an hour and a half. It's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you for one. Uh, two, you've given us some great insights to the club, the expectations this season, where you think you're going to finish. Some little snippets that I didn't realise that other people will, will probably won't realise either. It, it's been absolutely fantastic, mate. I appreciate you coming on and speaking to us. I've got no doubt if we do anything in the future, um, shirt related or anything like that, we'll, we'll probably give you a blast. Um, but as I say, thank you very much. It's appreciated. Uh, this has been Access All Areas. Thank you for listening.